about five years ago, we asked Charlie Munger, we were sitting right there when he thought of Bitcoin, and he said, rat poison. Yeah. Uh, back then, it was about $100 plus dollars per Bitcoin. Today, it's 9000 Is it still rat poison? Well, it's probably rat poison squared. Yo, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Public service announcement. Don't forget to remind your friends and family that one Bitcoin will always be one Bitcoin. Now let's dive in. Today is Saturday, October 8th. It is 8.41 a.m. Griff, we're, we're here on another Saturday morning to hang out and talk about Bitcoin. So how has your week been and what are your thoughts on Bitcoin right now? Hmm. Two pretty big questions <laughs> to open it up. But my week was good, Nick, as always. Um, we're actually moving apartments. So I told you that before we started the podcast. So this is uh, apologies for no mic. But the week was good. I think Bitcoin is good. I saw that it reached a new all-time high, I think, in the last week in terms of hash rate. Yep. So as everybody knows, as this podcast only cares about the fundamentals and the actual network itself, um, things are good. Um, and Nick and I always send, since we're doing the tweets of the week now, we always send tweets to my Twitter account to basically keep track of all the tweets or basically just kind of keep a timeline of like now what's going on, which is really awesome because then I can just go back into my own Twitter messages. I don't even have to go to Twitter anymore. <laughs> I get to see pretty much what was like going on all week. You so, can see yeah. like the best, the best highlights for sure. Cause that's, I mean, that's yeah. what it is. It's been kind of fun too. Cause then we hop on, you know, like on a Saturday morning, like we are right now. And it's like, Hey, let's go back and look at these things. That's exactly what we're going to do. Okay. So this tweet comes from at Priceton Bitcoin, which I'm super excited. I just recently found this page, but look at this photo. It says, uh, it says hashtag Bitcoin. It's still early. It's a global asset universe. Um, and it shows basically the size here in this chart shows the size of each of these different things and how large their market cap is. So uh, starting from largest to smallest here in this in this little photo, it says residential real estate is $258.5 trillion. Debt securities are $123.5 trillion. Equities are $109 trillion. Global GDP is $84 trillion. Commercial real estate is $32 trillion. Gold is $11 trillion, and Bitcoin is sitting at $0.37 trillion. So this is, this is an interesting one in the conversation of volatility, right? Just simply the size of Bitcoin, $0.37 trillion, compared to $109 trillion in equities. So I thought that was a really cool one there. Um, can, I, can I just say that like yeah, what do you for think? all of those up there in the global asset universe, because everybody loves to say, well, what does Bitcoin do? Bitcoin doesn't do anything. Bitcoin isn't anything. Besides residential real estate, you know, these assets that everybody buys, they don't do anything like your, I mean, they're assets. You know what I'm saying? It's on a balance sheet. I don't know. Just for everybody. Like when you buy something, when you buy Bitcoin, you're basically buying all of that. It feels like. You're buying a piece of all of that, in a sense. Well, it's yeah, all getting it's, built. Absolutely. It's all based on it, all almost all of these besides besides gold and uh well, yeah, just besides gold and Bitcoin are based upon their value is based upon a uh, a system which is the fiat system right. that's currently broken, which is scary. Moving on here to another one here. This one is from documenting Bitcoin says the size of Bitcoin compared to fiat and gold. So here's another kind of similar chart. 
Um, so this goes all the way back to February of 2008 and comes all the way up to August of 2022. And this, this chart shows, uh, again, kind of relative size compared to some of these other things. So in the gray here, if you guys are watching on Spotify or YouTube, thank you, by the way, um, in the gray here is global fiat money supply. Um, so looking at these numbers here, we're roughly sitting at $28 trillion in total uh, global money supply. Uh, fiat money supply and then you've got gold supply somewhere around what is that 10 trillion dollars silver supply is like uh not even not even one trillion bitcoin is not even one trillion um they're they're close but man it's just interesting to see the size comparisons here and i've not read any of of these notes here in it but i think just the chart alone is really interesting um how about here? here's a huge one here i'm sure everybody has seen this but um, let's turn the sound off there. So you can now buy, uh, you can now buy something at McDonald's in Switzerland with Bitcoin. Um, you know, I'm not super excited about McDonald's or anything, but this is just an example of what the infrastructure will be for Bitcoin. Look at this. Um, the, these people are going in, they make their order on the, on the, uh, you know, like the self-serve kiosk kind kind of screen or whatever, make their order, print out their receipt, take it over. And uh, they've now got a separate little deal that you use instead of like the card reader. It's a separate deal where it it auto generates a a QR code lightning invoice, I'm I'm assuming. And uh, you scan the invoice and bang, you're paying with Bitcoin um, to to buy your food at McDonald's, right? This is going to get rolled out everywhere in the world. And so it's cool to see these things starting to come together. Um, Let's see here. Another one that I thought was kind of cool. Uh, institutions are coming back to Bitcoin. MicroStrategies raising more money. Uh, the New York uh, Digital Investment Group, I believe that is, raised tons of money. BlackRock is launching Bitcoin uh, uh, sections of their company. Uh, another one, BlackRock, is to, to offer Bitcoin trading to clients. So that's really fun. Um, some political stuff. Let's see. Uh, U.S. job openings fall by 1.2 million. That's that's uh, that's getting exciting here. This time with uh, with with everything else that's going on economically, now unemployment is starting to drop. So that's a little scary. Um, I think this one's a, a fun one. This is imagining Bitcoin. It says every time hashtag Bitcoin dips, it bounces back harder, and it shows basically like a big check mark. Um, that shows kind of that what what exactly that is. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, how about this one? This one's big from Bitcoin Archive. Huge. It says Russia to allow international trade in Bitcoin and crypto in every industry. What do you think about that, Griff? That's pretty wild. I just <clears throat> because I didn't actually see the announcement or I don't know exactly what was said. I always just get irritated when it says and crypto. To be honest with you. Um, that's what I think of that. I don't know what that means then. If they're saying Bitcoin and crypto, then I'm a little confused on what um, they mean. I mean, they're just... Then they just they're... said yes to it all. They just opened up the floodgates for everything. They said, you can do whatever you want to do. Well, then that seems but, a little desperate, to be honest with you. But Maybe a little um, bit. I, I agree there. But I, I thought, you know, again, I think it's kind of... Um, well, did you see... Uh, I'm sure you've seen this past week with... Uh, that President Biden came out and said um, 
basically, and I, I, I'll forget exactly how he said it, but paraphrased, it was like, hey, uh, it's not going to be federally, uh, we're going to, he's going to pardon everybody that was federally charged with a marijuana charge. Um, and that's not like the, that's not making marijuana recreationally legal at a federal level, but that's a step in that direction, right? And I think that this is, uh, I think that this is an example of that, where it's like Bitcoin and crypto in every industry, it's like, okay, and crypto, why, why are we including all of these other things with Bitcoin? But it is a step in that direction, which I'm here for. I'm, I'm ready well, for Well, to be fair, too, if we continue down this line, I believe we're going to get to some sort of hack that happened also in this week to quote-unquote crypto. So things sort itself um, out at the end of the day. Let me see here. I'm reading through a couple of these. Oh, you got to love these tweets here. This is another one from Documenting Bitcoin. It says, in 2011, Bitcoin fell below $20. In 2015, Bitcoin fell below $200. In 2017, Bitcoin fell below $2,000. And this year now in 2022, Bitcoin has fallen below $20,000. And it shows these four different uh, um, headlines that show, you know, Bitcoin falls below 200. Bitcoin falls below 2,000. Bitcoin falls below 20,000. So it's funny that you see that and you're like, okay, uh, this is kind of what it seems to be here. So um let's see here griff which one are you uh referring to um i'm really just referring to the binance hack i would have assumed that we threw that at some point that probably touches in here um here's but another I actually magazine. i always like this old one where the ceo of apple talks about bitcoin because that is really really important i thought about that a lot this week i'd love to uh spend some time thinking about that and talking about that just because it is interesting we're all Apple dependent. So Bitcoin is great, but the devices we use are all Apple. That does seem to be a problem in my opinion, but for sure. Do you want to play this clip here? Did you like no, this it's clip? Just Tim Cook saying like, he feels like it'd be responsible for people to probably own a little bit of Bitcoin. And it pretty much suggests that he owns a little bit of Bitcoin, but Apple also has banned Bitcoin in the past. So mm. it's um, interesting. And I just, <laughs> I don't know. I just think some of this is actually interesting. This is why Bitcoin Twitter is so great. I can go into some of these comments. And honestly, if I can go to somebody's profile and I see that it's mostly Bitcoin and it's not really a crypto page and it's a Bitcoin guy, I kind of will trust what it says a little bit and do some research on it. And there is a lot of ways you can like basically decrypt Google phones and they can become really private um hmm. basically internet like you can access the internet and do everything you want and start building private um i don't know like phones to start using and i think that actually will be useful if i'm being honest like I, wouldn't you rather store your bitcoin on like this private phone that you can put your own security on it and then you can also put your own bitcoin keys on it and then it's kind of like it's almost like i feel like that will be the new age because i think people are tired not only of government but if people are tired of government, then like systematically, they're tired of the people who are paying the government. And those are the biggest corporations in the world. So I think that we're going to eventually start hating Apple altogether. I think that's just like a few steps away. But um, that's why I was interested in that. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, it, I think that that's really interesting here. Let's uh, I was going to say, let's follow the uh, the thoughts on this. So the the initial tweet is uh, is by Bitvolt at Bitvolt7, Nick Nico. However you, however you say this guy's name or however he wants to pronounce it. He says, 
The fact that most mobile Bitcoin wallets are downloaded through app stores is a weak point. I expect most governments will exploit this in the coming years. And then uh, Bon Hoddle says, uh, this has happened before. Bitcoin wallets were banned from Apple's app store. What the fuck are Bitcoiners still doing running around with iPhones? Have a, uh, and then he, now, now we're getting phone. it. Those are Google phones, yeah. Okay, Google. these are Google phones. Okay, get, get a Google backup phone at least. Uh, a phone that doesn't duplicate what you can, that doesn't dictate what you can or can't run on it. Which absolutely, and then uh, this guy down here posts. Um, I did one on this operating system. <laughs> if you like it, check it out and posted a YouTube video to go check that out too. So because I believe I, that's what's inherently is like, isn't that what's inherently great about Apple is its security is so great it makes it hard to to do like what you would really want to you know kind of do on it, which is like I don't know, like black it out essentially or jailbreak it is what a lot of people talk about. But sure. um, seems like it's easier with Google and it'd be sure. wise to probably get a second phone outside of the Apple network. Yeah, absolutely. Here is uh, here's another one. This is from um, Paul Keating. Uh, go check him out on Twitter. He says, Bitcoin is money. Uh, these guys are at uh, looks like a little farmer's market and they're all paying Bitcoin for all of their stuff that they're buying. So he's bought he bought some raw honey here. I think they bought um, like goat goat milk or something earlier and. Um, so I think it's cool to see little markets, you know, that are integrating Bitcoin into their market, um, which is absolutely allowing them to be more efficient on that front. Um, here's another one here that we did not talk about. Another one from Bitcoin magazine. It says, fun fact, the Dow Jones stock index is now more volatile than Bitcoin. Um, I'd be curious to know like where that comes from exactly. Like what, like, in, is that a specific time frame, or what exactly does that mean? Um, I don't know. That page has a huge following and it always tweets stuff like that, that I'm like, you know, you do some good stuff. And then I'm just like, I'm like, then you're like, uh, I I mean, it's a very interesting statement, but like from when to when, I guess would be my first question or like, yeah, not that I don't want that to be true. Don't get me wrong, but like, I'm not, this podcast isn't built on hopium and just like not fact, I guess. (laughs) So, uh, absolutely great. Bitcoin's less yeah. volatile than that. Good. That's all I buy. So like, it's good. I guess that's good. You know, I don't know. I kind of want it to be volatile though, right? Volatility is a feature of it, not a bug. So, um, um I yeah, I, well, I think, I think the volatility one is interesting, right? Cause as you know, we were just looking earlier here, I'll add it back to the stream. We were just looking earlier at these global asset, this global asset, um, uh, the spread, right. Of, of the amount of capital compared to other things. So, Bitcoin being 0.37 trillion compared to equities, just total equities of 109 trillion. I mean, what that means, what this is telling us is that the pool of capital in equities is significantly more than the pool of capital for Bitcoin. Now, what else does that mean? Well, if if you want to if you want to impact the markets in some a substantial way that means that you have to put in uh you have to put in more capital in the equities market to move it the same percentage that uh that the same amount of capital would move uh the bitcoin markets basically the larger the market cap the the more capital it takes to move that market uh the smaller the market cap the less capital it takes to move that market so i think volatility on the front end 
is definitely a part of man are we are we shaking the weak hands right and i think that that's a good thing right it's it's natural markets it's natural markets kicking out the people that aren't there for the right reason right um but as the market cap of bitcoin increases as it starts to suck up the value from gold and it starts sucking up the monetary premium that has been put in real estate from commercial real estate and residential real estate when you start uh, when people start fleeing debt securities and moving to a hard form of money like bitcoin you're going to see uh, capital flowing from all of these other areas uh, over to bitcoin which is going to increase the market cap which is going to inherently reduce volatility and stabilize bitcoin which um, is really good once you get to a point where you're actually utilizing the the monetary system that the bitcoin network bitcoin network with a capital b uh, provides what would you say in your opinion now, as things play out, <clears throat> will be the first way that it starts sucking up value. Because that's what I've spent some time thinking about recently. I don't know why. I just look out into the world. And because I do sales and I'm just traveling around all the time, I'm just like, there's just so many things that are so inefficient. And so in my opinion, the first thing for Bitcoin, like where it will actually start sucking value mostly is just inefficiencies. Because corporations actually are for profit legally. And I mean, like they love money, they're very greedy. So inefficiencies are not fun for them either. And Bitcoin really does eliminate inefficiencies. And you can't, I, I hate discussing the whole crypto thing with corporations because unless they're completely like, they are completely bought into Ethereum or they're completely bought into a network already, like meaning they are huge stakeholders in it. Yeah. How in the world could they ever trust or actually use a network like that? It doesn't work it's owned by somebody like it just fundamentally does not work for a corporation to use the money that is a corporation unless it's the fed because that's obviously been going on for the last 50 years so it just it's the same thing i don't like wasting time on it but if you yeah. think about bitcoin and the fact that there are things like strike and the lightning network that have been built on top of it and to think that every 10 minutes these blocks keep getting produced and all of these confirmations keep happening on transactions uh to think that corporations aren't going to take advantage of that technology is foolish. Yep. Well, is, you're, you're talking about it, technology here. Uh, here. Here's a thought for you. So this is from Bitcoin and Exponential Freedom by J.S. Leary, um, who Griff and I are both reading his book right now uh, and going to have him on the podcast at some point down the line. So excited about that. But you're talking about the technological advancement piece. This quote here says, technological advancement creates an abundance of goods and services by lowering the marginal cost of production. Thus, prices naturally trend lower because of this. How beautiful right. is that, right? I mean, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, when there is a recession or depression that hits and money becomes harder to borrow, you have to find different ways to keep your company going. And one of the things like Jeff Bezos, I think I always hear him say in interviews, like no matter what you think about the guy, when he talks about the dot-com bust, he was like, we were profitable. He's like, yeah. we didn't, we didn't really care. Like we didn't really care. Like we were ready. Like we were still going. And I feel yeah. like that is what the world needs to be built on in a sense is com companies like that. And I feel like maybe that's why we have so many monopolies out there. It's because there's so much funny money and there's so many bad ideas funded. And there's so many like, I don't know, just wackos kind of like going around with a lot of money and doing a lot of things like Jeff Bezos has no problem smushing wackos, dude. He would have a problem smushing like real startups that were profitable and knew how to build a business. He doesn't have a problem squashing these guys because he was built. Yeah. He was forged in fire. I mean, Amazon was. 
So yeah. none of these companies that have been built been built since 08 and like this tech bubble and whatever you want to call it, it we're just talking about two completely different, you know, eras, two completely different types of companies. So yeah. Uh, well, jumping in here, I, I got to tell you a couple of more, I, or I got to share with you a couple of these uh, highlights that I've got here from Bitcoin and exponential freedom. So you mentioned funny money earlier. So in chapter two, he talks about all these different properties that money should be, what the best money should be, right? Um, one of these subtopics here is the hardness of money. Um, and hardness, the opposite of hard money is soft money or easy money. Um, and, and we're talking about the, the softness, the hardness in the ability to create more of that money. So here, listen, listen to a couple of these, uh, these things from the hardness subsection. It says a good money will be resistant to volatile and unforeseen increases in its supply. Okay. Uh, it says the, the economic value of the cards would adjust downwards to account for the larger total stock and would start to stabilize around this lower level. So he tells us an example of, of baseball cards, right? He says, if there's, a, if there's 10 baseball cards out there of some certain type, and then we start increasing the, uh, the total supply by 100 new cards every single month. He said, mm -hmm. initially, that's going to drive the price down really, really, really hard, right? Uh, because now your total supply is increasing substantially. Uh, but... Once you get to a certain point, that 100 cards a month becomes uh, a small portion of what the total is. Once you get to a certain size, right, a certain time, and it says the economic value of the cards would then readjust downwards to account for the larger total stock and would start to stabilize around that lower price. Um, another piece down here, um, do you remember what ceteris paribus means or ceteris paribus means in economics no, terms? Absolutely, absolutely not. So ceteris paribus, it means to hold all else, all other things constant. So we're going to try to isolate two variables and see what happens if I pull this lever. Ceteris paribus means let's hold all other things constant so there's no other outside influences. It says ceteris paribus, hold all, holding all other things constant. The higher the stock of a good compared to its flow, the more stable its price will be relative to other goods and the better suited it will be as money. So whenever you have a total supply that's significantly larger than its flow, which is the additions of new units of that money, when you have a large stock compared to flow, the price is going to be more stable relative to other goods, and it's going to be better suited uh, money, which I think is absolutely true. Um, well, now, hey, I gotta, Bitcoin is less volatile than the Dow. I mean, shoot, then Bitcoin's going to be less volatile than the Dow, right? So like, I mean, we're winning. I mean, absolutely. we won. And that's like the cool part I feel like about Bitcoin sometimes is once you start reading some of this stuff, you realize money equals time. We talk about that all the time or money equals energy. Money equals something. Money is money is something. It's not it, it is like the, I think Taylor says like the highest form of energy humans can achieve. I'd like that. I don't know. It works for me. But money is time. So if that is true, then it matters so much like how we treat it. Right. Like we. Yeah. If you treat if you treat time poorly as a human being, you become I mean, you become a loser. <laughs> I don't know. You become like you don't get anywhere in life. If you abuse time, you end up to be one of those people who look back and you're like, oh, wow, I just like wasted a bunch of time. But if you, yeah. you know, I mean, if you value time, if you realize like how like finite it is, then 
your life quality is usually better because you probably spend a lot of time trying to like make your life better. So I don't you, know. You I bring up you bring up an interesting that. piece here. So I just uh, yeah. In chapter three here, he brings up the topic as monetary de-evolution. Now, there's a couple of really interesting pieces in here that I think you'll like that kind of play on exactly what you're talking about. So uh, this deal says fiat currency, a money issued by government decree, says uh, as money is the base layer of civilization, it does not take a genius, or at least it shouldn't, to realize that a de-evolution of money will result in the decay and de-evolution of many other aspects of the economy and society. So it's oh, yeah. like, hey, if we start shaking up the foundation of everything, that's probably going to cause effects in other areas of the world, right? Um, which I thought was really interesting. And there's another one down here. Um, let me see here. I thought. I'd I mean, it just goes to the point why if you look back in history when gold-backed money is uh, – you know, most used and when money is actually hard and there are points in history where money is hard, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But, uh, those are like the best times. I mean, for everybody. So Um, another piece in here that was interesting, it talks about, um, it talked about how gold, uh, basically got centralized. Right. So he says, um, so he kind of talks about, um, this would decay society, right? So why would we do this? Um, He says gold-backed paper certificates emerged as a solution to a real problem of the costliness of uh, transporting large portions of gold uh, over distances, right? Um, Having notes and coinage instead of gold coins and bullion also helped with making gold more easily divisible. says, at first inspection, this appears to be a step forward with human ingenuity solving for a genuine problem. There were, however, unintended consequences. And here's, here's where I think it's interesting where it talks about this, basically what, how gold in initially started to get centralized. So it says, as people entrusted the banks with their gold and found it safer than being the custodian themselves, the majority of the gold began to centralize in the vaults of banks. So... As we started using paper money to represent gold, which was the the foundation money, as we started using paper money, we started realizing, oh, this is this is kind of nice. This is a lot more efficient. Let's just keep our gold on deposit at the bank. And now the bank holds all of our gold and not us, um, which ultimately ended up with um, the banks owning all the gold. Right. Which is why you don't which is why you don't leave your Bitcoin on uh, custodian platforms on exchanges you know because that's the same thing as gold being centralized in banks via gold being held in the vaults of a bank you need to self-custody if you own gold which i'm not a gold bug myself uh but if you own gold you should actually own the gold you shouldn't hold it on deposit the bank but um i mean like it just doesn't make sense to do it otherwise agreed the argument i feel like people are do you feel like people are brainwashed i mean like that's a good topic Oh. Are we all brainwashed at this point with like the heroin of cash and basically, I mean, we talk about it like cash, right? Like cash is uh, very soft money. What's yeah. debt? What's debt? Softer? I mean, is debt like invisible money? I mean, like how bad is that? How bad is the fact that we all run around and spend debt and then our governments spend debt with each other and then back each other's debt with debt? It's just like an odd situation that we're in. And don't get me wrong. Like I said, we talk about on this podcast all the time. America has brought the world to some different places 
I mean, I have not been able to verify myself with my own eyes, but from what everybody tells me, America's made the world a better place uh, over the last 50 years or 100 years. So who's to say that some of this soft money hasn't built some good stuff, but who's to say that all of it will like stand the test of time, which at the end of the day is really the only thing that we can count on is that time is going to go on. So all these things that were built in soft money doesn't mean that all of them are going to stick around. And I mean, to be fair, 401ks were built in a soft money. I mean, like a lot of the companies that we see in America are built on this debt in like credit and soft money era. So I don't know. It's just a good thing. Like, that's what I think about when I look into the market. So it's going down. I'm like, this could happen. This could be a long time. I mean, this could take a long time to unwind. It can take a long time for big players to fall just because they are big. Like we talked about this. This is huge. But I mean, dollar milkshake theory at some point, we're going to get back all the way to here and it's somebody's going to fall and sure. we're going to see how uh, the world reacts. But absolutely. Right, what else? Man, got- I'm excited here. Um, we've uh, we've had a ton of fun on Twitter. We have had a ton of fun on Twitter, getting to talk with people, interact with people. I know that I enjoyed it through my whole process of kind of learning about Bitcoin and getting connected with people. And of course, whenever you're doing that, you're going to run into people that you like. You're going to run into people that you connect with and you're like, oh, this this guy's funny. I like I like the stuff that this guy posts, whether it's like whether it's just like funny stuff or it's like in the Bitcoin world. And you're like, oh, that's a good thought. That's a good that's a good thought on that topic. You know, you get connected with these people and we are excited to get connected with those people and also have them on the show to talk about Bitcoin. So without further ado. We've got a guest with, with us this week here. It is Hammond of Texas at FieldNOS on Twitter. Go check him out here and enjoy the interview. Today with us is Hammond of Texas at FieldNOS on Twitter. I'm excited about this conversation, man. Welcome on to the show, Hammond. How are you today? Very good, gentlemen. How are you? I am fantastic. It's, it's nice uh, to uh, meet you guys. Here. Having some uh, having some coffee and some tea, getting the getting the the Saturday started early. You you just can't complain about that. Definitely. Okay, I, I, we got to start this off here. Just tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of maybe what your path has been to to Bitcoin. What is your profession and and how do you perceive the world? Well, I'm an airline pilot by trade. Uh, I, I was telling you earlier in the green room, I, I'm, I'm attempting an early retirement here. Uh, whether or not I can pull that off remains to be seen. And, and you know what? That's okay. Uh, I, I will stay busy one way or another. Um, I live out in the desert southwest uh, the U.S. Um, I'm uh, in my early 50s. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I probably spent, uh, I want to say, a good 20 years flying airplanes professionally. I've been a pilot for 30 years. Um, it was a great career. I loved the job. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it took a lot out of me. And so I am really, really loving, uh, the time to just, uh, you know, immerse myself into, um, the Bitcoin, uh, sphere, so to speak, and, uh, trying to learn as much as I can. And I'm really, uh, honored to be here with you guys this morning. Absolutely. What, what kind of planes were you flying? So uh, <clears throat> most recently I was flying the Airbus 320, 321 for a major U.S. airline. I'm sure you've flown on them. 
before that, I flew smaller jets at regional airlines and I flew a twin engine turboprop called the Dash 8. That was probably the, the, the most fun airplane that I flew of all of them. Um, before that, uh, uh, small Cessnas, I mean, that's what I learned in. I, I spent uh, about a decade in the Navy, but I was not a pilot. I was an enlisted guy. I actually worked on aircraft. Uh, and so then I got out of the Navy. I started working on uh, on my uh, pilot training, got my license and, and just went from there, worked my way up until I could finally get on with a regional airline. And and then, yeah, so here we are. But the COVID thing came down and uh, they, you know, there were too many pilots there. They were parking airplanes uh, all over runways and they were parking our airplanes out in the desert. And uh, and they put us a lot of us on leave. So I was on leave for about a year getting somewhere around, I don't know, half to three quarter pay to sit around and do nothing. Um, And then I just started thinking, man, I'm really loving this time, you know, with the family. I homeschool my kids. uh, They're teenagers. Um, We just spent a lot of time uh, doing that. And I I was just like, you know what? Um, Bitcoin was at like 60K. (laughs) And I was like, uh, maybe I don't need to go back to work. (laughs) So just being honest with you guys, man, I talked it over with the wife and uh, we pulled the plug. And to be honest with you guys, I have not really regretted it. You know, as as, as I watched the price just kind of like, you know, plummet over the last year, I, uh, there's been a few times like mm, maybe that was a mistake. But uh, no, because what I've learned in that is, you know, we really get... Uh, uh, man, I got to quit babbling here, but we really get locked into the to the machine, you know, and it's just uh, it's all I could think about is is doing my job and doing it well. And 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 then when you kind of step back from that, you realize, wow, there's so much more to life. There's so much more to learn. And so, man, I'm not going to I'm not going to look back. I'm going to move forward. Uh, yeah. In fact, if I have to go back to work, maybe I can find some work in the Bitcoin industry. <laughs> Beautiful. So what was the first thing that got you into Bitcoin and at what point did have you, did you get into it? Obviously we know that it started in 2008 and you're flying for longer than that, but like what, yeah. what led you to actually start reading about it? Or for me, it was a breed love Twitter thread that got me into it that I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. Like I, nobody's ever said anything like that before to me. So like, that's how I got into it. I yelled at Nick. So like that's how he eventually got into it. Um, <laughs> so you learned old Nick. <laughs> oh yeah, it, well I I yelled at like man I he was rel- point, he was relentless for months. Yeah, right, yeah I was passionate about it as you know because the world was pretty bleak. Everybody's world got put on hold for a year, um, yeah. as yours did too. So that's when I found Bitcoin, or actually a little bit before that is when I found Bitcoin, which is great. And okay. I kept telling Nick about it, and he kind of. I'm not going to say he put me off, but he was like, he was in the insurance world at that time and more of a traditional financial like perspective. And we just got out of school. So <clears throat> I don't know if he was really listening. And then I don't remember if it, I think it was kind of like one of those global asset universe like photos, Nick, similar to that is what I showed him. And that's what made him go. That is kind of interesting if you think about it that way. And then, <laughs> since then I haven't had to say a word. Nick is like a Nick is Nick is all over it. But what is uh, kind of your story and what really got you into Bitcoin originally? So I was uh, working on a project that put me on the Internet uh, a lot in, I want to say, well, it was 2014. 
And I, I saw this word Bitcoin a few times coming up in message boards and stuff like that. And then I was like, what, what the heck is that? You know, so I Googled it and then I, I found a price. And uh, at that time, it, I was like at 800 or $1,000 uh, just spiking like this, you know, parabolic deal. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. And so I said, hey, to my wife, come take a look at this. Um, and without even knowing much at all about it, um, you know, I said, we should buy some of that. And uh, my wife said, are you crazy? Look at that chart. You're going to buy that? No way. And so I said, yeah, you're right. That kind of looks like a little bit of a bubble. <laughs> so I kind of just forgot about it, put it on the back burner. And then around 2015, sometime in 2015, I, I pulled it up again and looked at it and it had crashed back down to about 200. And it had been at 200 for a long time. And I thought, okay, I want to find out more about this. And so I started doing some reading. And back then it was mostly like uh, just message boards, Reddit, things like that. And um, man, once I started reading about it, I just couldn't stop reading about it. It, it just, um, it fascinated me. It, it seemed to just speak to me. Um, you know, for me, the idea of uh, money is it, it's just, it, it hasn't changed in thousands of years, really not that much. I mean, so you can say, well, we have, you know, digital, uh, you know, banks are sending money back and forth over the wires or credit card. It, all of that, it, it, that's just makeup. You know, I mean, it's it, that fundamentally money just has not changed in yeah. thousands of years. And this seemed to me to be the first real iter uh, new iteration of, of money and, and ironically, uh, it, it, it's almost like it's taking it back to what it what it, it most originally was supposed to be when they first started, you know, using uh, beads or uh, uh, even gold coins before they started shaving gold off of them or, or you know, trying to water everything down. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah, so I started buying it down around there, but I went in very gingerly. I was scared. You know, I, I had a family. I, was, I didn't want to waste money. I didn't want to do anything risky. And so it took some time before I started to get the confidence to really start going in. Uh, real quick, I just got to tell you a funny story. Like <laughs> right around when it was maybe about $300. My wife and I, and I had been learning a lot about it and, and, and I, I believed in it already. And, and my wife and I decided like every time we go out to eat, cause we love to eat out. That's all we do. That's like, oh, I've wasted my entire fortune on eating out. Um, <laughs> we would, we would take an exact duplicate amount of whatever the check was. And we would buy Bitcoin right there at the restaurant. You know, at that time it was Coinbase. So you go on Coinbase and buy, we did that for about, I don't know, a week. <laughs> I'm looking at my budget. I'm like, we can't keep doing this. But can you imagine if I had? I mean, we kept oh. eating out, but we stopped buying the Bitcoin every time we we got the check. And uh, one of my biggest <laughs> regrets there. So, uh, but would I'll you say hindsight, hindsight 2020, the biggest risk, ironically, was not buying more Bitcoin? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it was, you know, far and away the biggest risk. Um, I don't really regret it though, because for me, this has been a, a real, um, I don't know, journey and it, it, it all, uh, you know, plays in together, 
I don't know. I, to be honest with you guys, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I was ready to be rich like that. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what that would have done to my life. I have really learned a lot about myself. Um, so I'll just be honest with you guys. I ran this thing all the way up uh, 69K and I've run with it all the way back down, you know? So I didn't uh, have the foresight to try to take profit up there or anything like that. And that's been hard just from a standpoint of like, you know, man, you know, I could have sealed this retirement in. I could have, you know, we, we would haven't made, we could have, but to be honest with you, um, I mean, I experienced greed in a way that, um, I never knew was in me, to be honest mm. with you, when I'm, I'm looking mm. at these balances at those prices wow. and it's, so I've learned a lot about that. And, and I got to thinking, and maybe this is just, you, you know, the story about the Fox and the grapes. Uh, well, I didn't want those grapes anyway. And so there's probably a big element of that to this, but um, I got to thinking, you know, what if we would told my wife, what if we would have sold, you know, half our Bitcoin at 60 K and, um, and it's like, well, who would you have sold it to? You know, some poor bastard that's buying in right there. <laughs> you know, and I know that you can't think that way. And I know you guys are finance guys. That is not the way you, you can't do that. That's not the way the world works. Like you got to you got to take what you can when you get it. But from just a very kind of personal point of view and and maybe from a, a spiritual point of view, um, I'm glad I'm where I'm at because, you know, now I really am in it for the tech. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think well, you bring up an interesting thought there. I mean, it's like Griff and I were talking about it earlier. You know, right now the volatility that is inherent in Bitcoin simply because it is so small compared to everything else around it. Right. Um, that volatility shakes the weak hands. It shakes the people that are not in Bitcoin for 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 Bitcoin itself. They're there for the money, right? right. Um, and you know, I think Griff and I uh, at this point are pretty well aligned that we're here to buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin and give that Bitcoin to our great, 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 great grandchildren. Um, however many years down the line that is. Right. Um, I mean, because, yeah. you know, like, wouldn't it be incredible if right now today we had um, we had the Bitcoin network infrastructure built to where we can actually utilize the innovation of the technology that Bitcoin is. Uh, right. But the fact of the matter is that that's not here yet. Right. No. But we all three of us here know what scarcity means. Uh, right. We understand uh, how that plays into Bitcoin also with its uh, energy connectivity to the real world, as well as its as well as its incentives structure. I mean, all of these different things we talk about, um, it, it's there's so much value in that. And the, mm -hmm. the wildest part is that nobody knows yet. Nobody still knows. I mean, I'm I'm not even a year in yet, you know, and right. it's like, man, uh, I can't believe that this is happening. I mean, just go look at that chart that we pulled up earlier in the tweets of the week segment. Um, you, you, you look at equities at one hundred nine trillion dollars market cap approximately mm -hmm. and Bitcoin being at point three seven trillion. Talk about right. a size difference. You know, it's like just in looking sheer capital sizes. Right. I mean, it's like nobody knows about Bitcoin. So another thing I was kind of curious about with you, Hammond, is how did you plan financially before Bitcoin uh, kind of became, uh, I'm, and I guess I'm assuming too, maybe that's the follow-up question is what are you doing after Bitcoin? But what did you do financially before Bitcoin? And then maybe the second one is what did what are you doing now that you do own Bitcoin? 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, unlike you guys who have sort of a finance background, I mean, I came up through the public schooling system. I, I didn't know jack about money. I mean, uh, I, I did what I thought was right and, you know, invest into my 401k. Um, I try to buy a little mutual fund. I've always been good with money in, in from the standpoint of frugality. I don't waste it. Uh, well, I just made myself into a liar. I just told you I eat out all the time, but <laughs> that's my well, only experience is there too. I mean, not with, notwithstanding, you know, I got to stop doing it. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, when the, when the great financial crisis happened in, in, in 09, I watched everything I'd saved in, in the, you know, 401k just go down like precipitously. And I was, I, I sold the bottom of that thing. You guys, I, I literally couldn't take the pain anymore. And I leaped mm. out and, and worse than that, I talked my mom into doing the same thing. I mean, that was an important lesson. And that is probably the only reason I can have strong hands right now. Cause I will never do that again. I'll go to zero before I ever do that again. Mm. Um, because right after I did that, everything, you know, as you guys know, climb back up. Um, but there are no pensions in the airline industry anymore. I had nothing like that. I mean, I was I was nervous, uh, especially, you know, at the age I'm at now. I thought, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, I want to retire someday. You know, I want to help my kids through college, things like that. Uh, really wasn't uh, working out for me until I found Bitcoin. Um, so, I mean, I'm really, really, really grateful for it. Um, just personally, I mean, apart from everything else, when we talk about, you know, what it's doing for the world or just what it has done for me, uh, it's a blessing straight out of heaven, straight from God. So um, yeah, that's kind of my real estate situation. But I have, you know, going further, getting into Bitcoin and learning about Bitcoin has caused me to learn all sorts of things about finance now and about economics and, you know, I'm, I'm just a hack. I'm, I'm just reading stuff on Twitter, you know, but listening to guys like Jeff Booth and uh, Luke Groman, these guys just, I uh, watch their YouTubes, you know, just try to digest it all. But uh, yeah, I understand a lot more than I ever did. And it's scary once you start to understand it. Like you were talking about the, uh, you know, the market caps of equities versus Bitcoin and all those market caps. I saw it on the screen that you had up. You know, a lot of that, as you guys know, too, is just like Griff was saying, they're just IOUs. It's just debt that's built into this. So when those things unwind, a lot of that, you know, doesn't even really exist. It will go away. But a lot of in that process, I agree with you guys. I think um, it's a lot of it's going to find its way into Bitcoin. So, yeah, we absolutely what you go, Griff. No, I was just saying, <clears throat> I agree. I mean, that piece of it is Bitcoin's durability. And I just don't think people, I, I don't know if you would agree with this. Since 2015, do you feel like, uh, do you feel like more people understand Bitcoin now? Do you feel like more people are lost now? Like, where do you feel like the general consensus has shifted since you got in? Do you feel more confident with it? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think Bitcoin cares. That's my stance. Right. I think the technology will be built just like the internet was built. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin is so efficient, like we were talking about earlier. It's more mm -hmm. about the corporations and big institutions adopting it mm -hmm. and just utilizing this extremely efficient technology. I mean, it doesn't mm -hmm. really matter what your grandmother thinks or what somebody who can't mm -hmm. operate an iPhone thinks because it didn't matter for the iPhone either. 
But since 2015, what do you, how do you feel about the general consensus? Like, do you feel like there are more people coming in? Do you feel less isolated or do you feel more isolated in like on an island? What is, what's your take on that? I, I totally feel better about it. I mean, uh, back then, <laughs> my wife, she's so funny. She used to go into every coffee shop. You know, we would go into, you guys take Bitcoin? She'd just say that. Nobody ever had a clue what she was talking about back then. I mean, never once did somebody say, oh, yeah, I heard about that. But no, we don't take it. So, yeah, things have really changed a lot. I have, you know, having this 13 years under our belt is huge, I feel like. And I agree with you, Griff, the technology doesn't care. You know, I, when I think about technology and the way that technology works, it, I just can't think of too many examples where it, it, something this profound goes away. I mean, to me, this is like when the Romans started building roads. I mean, the fact that we're doing this podcast right now started with Romans building roads. I mean, everything builds on top of itself and it, it picks up a head of steam and it goes, I, you can't put this genie back in the bottle. I know that yeah, that's a cliche, but it, it really fits here. Um, I feel a lot better about it. I, I, uh, I never really didn't feel bad about it, to be honest with you. I I've never been scared that, um, Bitcoin would, uh, fail or go to zero. I know that that risk exists, but, um, this kind of leads me to something else I was hoping I could talk about with you guys. I mean, I have never found in my life uh, such a compilation of brilliance, um, it, it, except in this sphere, this field. The people like yourselves, um, everybody that I interact with is so damn smart. And that just encourages me to no end. Um, and I'm not sure why that is necessarily it's possible that the people who get Bitcoin um, get it because, you know, because they are smart. And so they're the ones that sort of coalesce around this. But to me, um, and there's a few other things I could talk about, but um, I think uh, in the intelligence and the brilliance and the people involved in this went out in the end. I think, you know, when you look at the normies, when you look at and I don't say this disparagingly, but but I mean, they're losing it. I mean, clown world is losing it. And if you take, for example, the White House, I had it written down. What is it here? The White House report on climate implications of crypto mining. They mean, that looks like it was written by a, an eight-year-old. I mean, I just, I, I just listened to, I didn't listen to the whole thing, bits and pieces of Natalie Brunell. She was reading the, the uh, Nick Carter's, uh, basically excoriating he, he was excoriating hit the whole thing line by line and i was just face palming like i can't believe that this is our leadership right yeah. so i mean who wins that fight right well that's what i think it is right i mean not to interject but i no. think the smart people are tired of being led by the dumb and the inherited basically i mean like it yes. feels like america's become this place where it's really hard to to get to that level. It's really hard. I mean, it's it's harder than it used to be. It's harder than it used to be to own a home. It's harder than it used to be to be a single family income. It's harder than it used to be to just go to the grocery store. And I think all smart people, you know, not everybody who is smart wants to be rich. 
Right. But everybody who is smart does like their privacy. It, that does seem to connect everybody. Yeah. And I, so I agree with you. I just think that maybe that is it. I think we're just tired of the, you know, this, our sovereignty being taken away where it's an obvious fiat money is an obvious error to anybody who is willing to do mm-hmm. some reading. And mm-hmm. I just, so I disagree with you. If you wanted to sell your Bitcoin at 60 and then buy it again at a lower price, you should feel good doing so mm-hmm. just because, and only because you buy Bitcoin at the price you deserve it. Right. I mean, there, I'm not that smart. I mean, I, I can sit here all day. Like maybe I, maybe I'm not, I don't really know. And I don't really care. Every time that you've spoke, you're like, I'm here to learn. I love the Bitcoin space. I'm here to learn. And it's like, that is what every Bitcoiner says from right. like the top influencers all the way down to us. It's like, we're just here to learn. Like we, I, I, I don't know. Like if I'm smart, that's great. I, I just am here for this, like this Bitcoin thing. And if you're not open-minded enough, if you're not humble enough to accept that, Bitcoin might be bigger than you, then unfortunately mm. you buy it at 60K and mm, we'll see yeah. if you hold on to it forever. Your grandkids will feel it. Somebody's going to feel it. Watch <laughs> interject or, or steal that, but no, I no, no. I, that's what the smart is. Maybe the smart is not even smart. It's just the humble and the open-minded are just like, wait, I, that sounds good. I don't like what's going on. Like, <laughs> let's not do that. Like, it's not the craziest thing in the world for us to be like, this Bitcoin thing does make sense. Right. It makes absolute sense. But that's just what I think. I I totally agree with you. And we're led by, I don't know what your stance is on the politics in America. I could care less one way or the other. It seems like they both like to spend money and they don't treat it the right way, which in my opinion is all that actually, like that is the only function they serve anyway. So I don't know what your stance is on where things are going, but it seems like our government doesn't even realize what they've already done. It literally seems like they're just like, all right, it's time to... You know what? They fall right in line with Ray Dalio's theory. Time to go to war, baby. I mean, like, we got to do something. Like, time to go to war. Like, that seems like what's next. And I'll, I know it's, you know, funny, scary. And like, but if you're in Bitcoin, it has been getting called out for years that the United States will go to war to defend uh, the dollar in its current network. And it seems like we're like lining up for that. I don't know if you feel that way or if that scares you. Um, but certainly scares me. And it's very interesting. A hundred percent Griff. Uh, don't, don't let the shirt I'm wearing, uh, uh, deceive you. Um, listen, I, I believe in the American spirit. I love this place. I, 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 I love it, but I loved it. And, but man, when I was telling you guys, like how much I've been learning about economics and how money works in Bitcoin, I'm also been learning, uh, (laughs) about world affairs and, and understanding um, the nature of the beast here with America. I mean, it's the leader of a giant Western empire is what it is. It's the center of a giant Western empire. And this Western empire is not a good empire. Um, and you're, you're right. I believe hundred percent, we will go to war to protect the dollar and I'm scared to death. You know, I don't want this place drafting my children to go fight their battles for their petrodollar, their hegemon. Uh, no, um, but I, I want to say, too, though, like you 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 display your intelligence with your humility. You know, you're you mentioned I want to have an open mind. I, I mean, I'm, I don't know everything. And that in itself is intelligence. And that's what I see. In, mm. in broadly in the Bitcoin community, there's just yeah. so few people that that are come in and then they're know-it-alls and and the <laughs> the guys that really 
are smart, you know, they're still humble about it. So I really, really, but Hey, real quick too. I want to mention the other big, big part of Bitcoin that it means so much to me is Bitcoin is truth. You see what I'm saying? Like everything else that's going on in our fiat uh, system is, is lies. And that's huge. Bitcoin is objective truth. It's black and white. Like Mm. this belongs to you, period. Right. And um, uh, I can't get away from that. That is the primary uh, motivator for me. It's the main thing that tells me that this is something different. This is something new because tell me, tell me when has anything ever come across our plate uh, that represents pure objective truth. I I've never found it, you know, you guys probably know reading my Twitter. um, I love Jesus. Um, Pontius Pilate, the, the Roman uh, governor of the, the province there, he stood face to face with Jesus and said, and he asked the question, what is truth? He actually scoffed. What is truth? As he stood face to face with truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. I I am truth. That's another name for him. And so if you look at Bitcoin and Bitcoin is 100% objective truth. I mean, I think there's a connection there. I really honestly do. And I don't, I don't want to go too spiritual on you guys or anything like that. But for me, um, there's a connection there. And I think that, uh, I think that, um, Bitcoin, uh, how should I say this? Um, uh, I 100% agree. If Satoshi yeah. never comes back, I 110% agree, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. I'm like almost 100% bought into exactly that divine way, like where it's like, where, like Bitcoin almost seems like we don't deserve it right now. Right. Like, yes. People, like, it seems like people, like, uh, there's a lot of people who would say, and I am not, I'm not religious, as Nick knows. Nick is, Nick reads his Bible every morning. He is on the dot. Uh-huh. I am not that way, but definitely spiritual. And Bitcoin is one of those things where it's like, all right, Hey, if the second coming came, nobody would accept it anyway. Right. Like people would be early to it. And to be fair, like, yes, Bitcoin (laughs) is as truthful as it can get in this world. And you don't have to trust it. There there's no trust involved with it. So it, it it can be truth. Right. And it's like, it it is, I, I totally agree with you. And it kind of seems like people reject it it kind of has this story now, this journey that ever it's like, dude, anybody can join. Nobody's, nobody is saying that you can't. And honestly, it's not like, there's no culty vibe really in Bitcoin, unless you're on Twitter. Sometimes it's like, <laughs> it gets a little, it gets a little much, but like, if you really just talk to, to most Bitcoiners in the real world, it's not that it's just that like, once you go so deep down the rabbit hole, as you say, and you start seeing how many times in history money has been played with when you see yeah. how many people have been sacrificed for a nation states just for money. And then when you see what Bitcoin is, is like a transition from a world that needs to go to war to settle things to what do we do? Like if Bitcoin fixes money, money fixes the world. What, what do we do other than just make the world a better place? So I agree with you. Bitcoin can be very divine. I think the only catch to that is if Satoshi comes back and says this, 
thank you. I appreciate, appreciate it. Like, I know, he was like, he's like, I know it was great. I was, just, I was like, I was just waiting it out. He's like, it's all good. Hey, the so ultimate no, rug, right? That would be, that would be a rough deal, wouldn't it? I, maybe he does that. Or maybe he like waits until it's to a price where like, he knows it's so good. Like he knows at some point, maybe he will be able to use it a little bit. I, I don't know. But also there, there are a lot of, um, there'll be a lot of technical difficulties with that. I mean, it, it is to the point where if somebody who created this came back, he also would have made it really hard for him to even use the network because I don't even know if miners would validate it. He made it hard for him to access those private keys and actually most of that Bitcoin, if you read like deeper into it, which could make it even more of a divine thing where it's like this guy or whoever created it knew that he needed to keep himself as far away from it as possible. He knew what he did. And he's like, all right, I'm just, here you go. But yeah, I agree. Like, I don't know what your stance is on that, but I do agree. And I believe the following that follows it is a bunch of really good people that are just trying to make yeah. the world a better place. And ultimately Christian or not, that is what we all want. So I do feel like that's obviously a very good thing. And this podcast yeah. gets spiritual. That's okay. Yeah. I, I think, uh, Hammond, you bring up some really interesting points. I, I am a spiritual guy myself. I think that um, I think that the second foundational problem to to all the world's problems right now is the issue with money. I think the foundational problem is the lack of Christ in the world. Uh, I believe that there is a war on Christ going on. Um, but you bring up some interesting stuff here. So talking about Bitcoin is the truth, right? Uh, Proverbs yeah. 16.11 says, right out of the King James Version of the Bible, says, a just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his. Um, that is a biblical principle. Yes. Just balances and scales is a biblical principle. And, uh, you know, it's, it's wild right now to see that what is happening in the world is almost so nuanced and so crazy that people see a, a safe haven like Bitcoin and, mm -hmm. but, but they're, they're almost too ingrained in what this current world is and can't even try to start to understand, oh, maybe there's another way that this thing could work. You know, it's mm -hmm. almost like a, it's almost like a fallacy of thought. Like, um, you know, think of a sale, right? Griff and I are also sales guys. Um, mm -hmm. And so think of a sale, right? If, if you go in and you meet with a client and, uh, and you're talking about product XYZ and, and they say, hey, well, how much does it cost? Well, okay, now that's a huge question. If if you decide that you're going to actually say a number, you've got a huge question. A lot of times you may not want to say a number, so you have to be strategic about how to not say that number. But let's say that you do. Um, you know, let's assume that you also have a product that you can control the price on, right? If you're just a salesman for uh, a standard product, you probably may not have that ability. But the the idea is though, you want to say the largest amount so that they still purchase the product but you don't mm -hmm. want to say too small because then you leave money on the table. Right. Um, and uh, the idea is like, it's almost like that you get, you get attached to that first thing that you hear, that first thing that you learn. And, you know, I mean, I'm, whenever I'm out talking with uh, what you called earlier normies talking to the normies that maybe aren't Bitcoiners and don't quite understand everything that's going on. It's almost like they're too mentally anchored to what they believe the world is, to what they believe it is, not what it actually is, but to what they believe it is. And then that inherently turns off their brain to say, yeah. oh, well, that can't be right. That's 
it's not real. You know, it's right. like, what are we talking about? You know, um, it, it, it's it's so strange. No, you're absolutely right. And like you, I think Griff mentioned earlier, <clears throat> it's like a brainwashing. They <clears throat> they can't get out of the paradigm that they're stuck in. I I I absolutely see that. So I have a um, family member, close family member, who's the president of a bank, and it's like. I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's like we don't even speak the same language. Living like, in two different realities. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I, I I'm convinced it's like you don't want to look at it too closely because it mm. just it's not in your interest to look mm. at it too closely. So there's yeah. all kinds of reasons people, you know, refuse to open their minds or step out of their uh, paradigm. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, banks are a funny one because I have a friend who works for Chase and I basically got him to define fractional reserve lending in what Chase does. I'm like, so like, what do you guys do? How do you guys make money? I was just like asking questions and he doesn't think too highly of Bitcoin. So I'm sure he doesn't think too highly of like, you know, how much I might actually know about how these banks operate because Bitcoin, you like... I mean, you like deep dive this stuff. Right. And he was just like, oh, yeah, we like, you know, we promote these things. And then I'm like, oh, what do you guys do when you get the money? Well, we lend it out to people. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, what do you guys anchor it to? Well, we only need to keep like 10 to everyone. I'm just like, so do you, do you see, see the problem? The or I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, at the end of the day, no matter what, at the end of the day, at some point, this is why reception, recessions have happened. It typically happened every like seven years, right? And now we've actually gone to the point where we haven't had, well, we are having a recession right now. This is not a podcast that doesn't acknowledge the fact that <laughs> hey, we're in recession. But we're waiting, um, we're waiting for Papa Papa Jerome to tell us what the truth is. Right. Yeah, like, whatever. But <laughs> that's so funny. But um, naturally, there's supposed to be a recession. We haven't had one since like in like 14 years, but. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just so comical that people that even work for the banks don't even realize what they're in and why what they're doing might might dilute just dilute society to the point where, yeah, we have recessions or maybe we're getting to the point where you guys have strung this thing out so much that we're about to see a lot of dominoes fall. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that saved us in 2008 was the ability to go to zero percent. Yeah, we do not have that ability. I mean, mm-hmm. financially, I mean, I'm not I'm not even you we're not really, we're kind of finance guys. Like, you know, like the options are crash the current economy or hyperinflate everything into oblivion. Right. Yeah. Those are like the two two main options. Right. And if you ask me, I feel like Bitcoin is good for both. I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like Bitcoin, whether they want to crash the economy or whether they would like to, you know, inflate the whole thing, we win either way. If it inflates, I think everything inflates, but also Bitcoin inflates yeah. because it's still going to be more efficient. And if they crash it, well, they're crashing bonds and people's 401s. And so people are going to start looking to a new haven. Right. So Bitcoin can accrue well, value either way. You, you, bring, you make me think of another piece here that, that I think is really interesting. And, and I'm still, I still haven't been able to like fully wrap my mind around it, but like <laughs> Bitcoin, the monetary network is completely separate from the existing financial system. It's completely separate. So now, of course, uh, everything right now, our unit of account is the U.S. dollar. So everything that we do for the vast majority 
is priced, especially here in the United States, is priced here in the U.S. dollar. And so it's funny because a lot of people will look at the price, the dollar price of Bitcoin and see it go up and down and think, oh, Bitcoin is better or worse because the price is higher or lower. And it's like, well, not really. That's like that's relative to U.S. dollars. But and it is it it is a rough metric, right, to see how much capital is being poured into the network. Um, But it's it's a completely separate financial system. Like if everything were to go down tomorrow, Bitcoin is still going to crank out a new block and add it to the blockchain every ten minutes and verify all the transactions that are happening in there. That that happens independent of the rest of the financial system right now. It also I still can't understand that. These mo the the uh, the miners and the nodes that run distributed all over the the world is a completely decentralized system. Nobody controls Bitcoin. There's no control of it. It's just code running on computers and people mm-hmm. plugging them into power and feeding the network power that ultimately runs the entire network financial network system that is Bitcoin. It, yeah. it blows my mind, you know. There are arguments to these things, though, and I don't know, Hammond, if you feel that way, that there are arguments to how great Bitcoin is right now and that there are big mining pools. You know, (laughs) I mean, it is now most 38 percent of mining is in the United States. Um, I mean, there are are things to Bitcoin that and the other thing, Nick, it is tied to energy. Bitcoin is an energy currency as much as as it is anything else. Yeah, you are correct. Um, which, to be to be fair, that is what money probably. I mean, in essence, I, that's probably the best thing money can be tied to, is energy, yeah. because we waste a lot of it. And mm-hmm. the next thing for humans to understand is that in order to support maybe more, is efficiency of energy and actually being able to use more and create more and do more. The answer is not what they're telling us: less energy. Less energy means you, me, and everybody else, or we're going to be in a box, like eating, eating bugs. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what less energy means. Less energy is not even an option. Mm-hmm. And the ESG stuff is obviously like, I mean, hey, man, what was it for you? And like when you were back in all the way back in school, like what were they like? Was California not going to exist anymore in like 30 years back when you were in school? Because when I was in school, Florida was still going down when I was in school. I mean, like it was going to the tides were coming and like they were it was going <laughs> to rise over it. And, like the There's always day. some type of narrative, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Pushing yeah. yeah, that's supposed to be underwater right now. Well, yeah, it, <clears throat> it was for a little awesome. while a few days ago, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just so crazy, but um. no, uh, yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. Um, look, Bitcoin has already, I, I mean, it's jumps, it's it, what's the word? Point. It has overcome so many hurdles, it's not even funny. I mean, mm-hmm. it should have went away during the you know, block size wars when it when it forked. Uh, there's yeah. been so much drama there it has I can't believe how it just persists the way that it does that gives me great uh I don't know it's just gives me a lot of hope it's very very resilient in that respect you know when you talk about miners you got like uh these big mining pools and things like that uh, it I mean I guess there's some danger centralization type things there there but it 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 seems to me like Things like that are, I don't know if they're overblown as real concerns. Um, the the way that the system is built, um, I don't know. And I don't know a lot about how the mining, you know, 
works. I know with the difficulty adjustment and everything, the profitability and everything tends to keep a balance going. And it seems like have you guys been, have you guys listened much to Jason Lowry, the uh, space force guy? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, we are fans. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds to me like once governments realize what we have here, they're going to get on board with that. And this is going to further decentralize things, you know, a lot. I mean, we're still really early, I guess. No. Absolutely. Well, what uh, kind of concluding thoughts here um, as we're wrapping this sucker up, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, a little bit, a little bit on, on what the past has been. A lot of what our current thoughts are today on what the Bitcoin network is, Bitcoin, the hard commodity money is. Um, what what do you think? Uh, what do you think a future, a potential future of Bitcoin could look like? Um, so at this point, I'm really just asking, like, what do you think is going to happen with Bitcoin over the next several years? Um, mm-hmm. But what what's your perspective? I mean, how, how do you think it could play out? Well, I think it's going to be a battle. You know, I really do. I mean, everything you guys just outlined, I mean, that's not going down easy, not without a fight. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, I'm talking about the fiat system and uh, the current world order is there's just so many people with so much invested, with so much evil intent that tell lies so well that mm-hmm. um, this will be a long, long battle, I think. But yeah. Bitcoin is well positioned to fight that battle, I think. And I think the right people are are here and more are coming. And um, little by little, I, I, I view Bitcoin as, I mean, it's hard for me to get my mind wrapped around Bitcoin becoming the world's reserve currency. Maybe that happens, you know, I, I, 500 years from now or something. I don't know. This I think in the in the foreseeable future, as it pertains to our lifetimes and maybe our children and grandchildren's lifetimes, I think Bitcoin will find its niche. I think it it will be a, a significant niche. Um, uh, I think it will run parallel alongside the you know the freak show that can, will continue to go on, and sure. little by little, uh, you know it. I think it will be um, I, I think ultimately it's going to be accepted by governments, by corporations. I think, you know, mass adoption will occur. Um, but I just don't see us just, you know, reversing course. I mean, it, it, from this, uh, uh, you know, Keynesian economic uh, world order to suddenly to yeah. a Bitcoin world or that just seems to me i mean maybe i'm too pessimistic on that um but that doesn't bother me really because all throughout um history i mean talking about america again i mean the good the good parts about it um the world was a cesspool of misery until uh you know, our founders in 1776 decided to push back and they built something that was different and wonderful. And, uh, but, um, it, it had its niche. It, 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 um, you know, the rest of Europe and everything continued to be, and that's why everybody wanted to come here. Right. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to have a utopia. We're not going to have, um, heaven on earth. Uh, Bitcoin isn't going to do that for us, but it's important 
um, and it will it will play its part. It will be a huge part. It, you know, and for people who who and governments and companies that want to participate in that, I think that just tremendous upside and um, and benefit for a lot of people. And I think the world will benefit from it. I just don't think that Bitcoin is going to conquer the world. Sure. Um, you know, just get back to the spirituality just real quick again. I mean, I would not be surprised. Look, um, um, and, and apologies, Griff, <laughs> but uh, look, Jesus is coming back. OK. And um, and when he does, it's going to be his administration running the police, this place. And there will be flesh and blood humans in, in that, you know, kingdom. And I would not be surprised. I'm I'm out on a limb here, but I would not be surprised at all if uh, his administration didn't uh, make the proclamation that Bitcoin would be the money in his kingdom because it is pure objective truth and and it will already be up and running and chugging along. There will be no reason for a, for a new one. So when we talk about, um, you know, uh, that's sort of the uh, counterpoint to the, the scary CBDC thing, you know, where uh, we're like, oh, shit, you know, did Satoshi just invent the technology that's going to allow them to control the world? And <laughs> that's probably Ethereum. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of that's kind of where I'm leaning, you guys. I mean, I- that's a good thing. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people in Bitcoin built on Hopium because they would like to see their life. You know, they would like to have bought, you know, um, at 200 and 10, sold at 60. 10 million. Right. <laughs> But they would like to have 10 million sats and for 10 million sats to have the purchasing power of $10 million today. Yeah. And that parody, I don't know if like dollar to sat parody is out of it for our lifetime, but I do agree with you. Like Bitcoin is not going to be, you know, everything all at once. It's going to just start taking little bits and parts and it'll be a niche thing. And well, we didn't get here overnight and we're not going to fix it overnight either. No. Yeah, and honestly, on the next podcast, we'll have to just lead with if Jesus does come back and he does have his kingdom, does he pick Bitcoin? And then yeah. I, I mean, like, you know, like, or does he transcend money altogether when he comes back and money is no longer important? Because money in and of itself is just something like without money, we just can't do anything. So like we all use it. But like maybe if he came back, we don't even need the money. That's my maybe that's my argument to that. But I would hope he picks Bitcoin. Because if he didn't pick Bitcoin, all right, then I'd be like, this guy. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Hey guys, it's Jesus. I'm coming back to save the world from uh, from all the sin nature that's out there. Uh, but I but I am a dollar guy. Yeah, yeah, that would be like that, can't, that couldn't be right. I mean, yeah. no <laughs> way. There's no way. Yeah, we need to be a little bit off, but we really appreciate having you on. This was awesome. I think it was. Super cool. It's like, I, I don't want to say pen pal, but like, this is like the new age, uh, <laughs> like relationship, especially within Bitcoin. Like, this is how we can get together and yeah. all we can do is spread the message. I mean, I don't know uh, how you feel about that, but all we can do is if somebody has a question, we can answer it and we can definitely not sell our sats. I mean, we can do that. <laughs> so yeah, definitely, on. man. I really enjoyed it, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. We will see you on uh, Twitter, Hamben, and uh, All right, we'll probably I'll have to have you on again, too. So, Well, I, yeah, I look forward to that. Awesome. All righty. We'll see you. Have a great rest of your Saturday. You too. You guys are doing a great job. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. What a fun time, man. You got to love yeah. meeting these people on Twitter, and it's like 
you know, we, we've talked about this before, like for so long, it feels like Bitcoin is just like this weird internet thing that like, you don't really talk to anybody in real life about. And then, <laughs> and then you get connected with, you know, at least you and I kind of got connected. I learned this whole thing from you. So I had like some, uh, somebody else to kind of talk about this with, mm-hmm. but then I got connected with the Tulsa Bitcoin t- meetup, Twitter people, uh, or not Twitter people, the, just the Tulsa Bitcoin meetup people. And I was like, oh, there's other real humans that do this stuff too that are interested in this. And, uh, you know, Hammond was just a guy on Twitter that we, I don't even know how we got connected or whatever, but I mean, dude's on my feed all the time. I see all the stuff that he's posted. I'm like, oh, this is funny. Oh, that's funny. And I think we initially kind of got connected a couple, couple months back when we had posted um, the uh, the clip with him, the, the post that he had with the Asian bot girls too, because... Dude, that is too funny. So it's like, man, Bitcoin Twitter really brings that, you know, this whole conversation we had, Bitcoin Twitter brings, it brings this spiritual side, it brings this finance side, it brings this just human interaction side, it brings the, um, the, uh, the current monetary system, it brings the politics, it brings the entire global macro stuff into it. It brings uh, incentives and time preference. It just it, it, there's so much that it brings in, and it's such a, a, a cool community to be a part of. And Hammond's just an example of of one of those people that's part of that network, right? That Bitcoin network. He's an example of one of those people, and uh, I'm happy that we get to connect with those guys. Yeah, I just think it's it is interesting. It's money, you know. Bitcoin is money and what is money and money is a network and a network can mean a whole lot of things and like what actually comes out of that network. So I am just happy that I don't know, you know, on this podcast, maybe there's one that we've had that we don't really know if we ever went back on. But besides that one, every person we've ever met off of Bitcoin Twitter has been super nice. I just just realized who you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. And even that one, Nick, was good. Like the interview is great. But um, I have there's very few people I've met in Bitcoin that I don't like, like that I don't think are like good people. And um, there's a couple of those smug guys out there that. Yeah. And they often often, like post an NFT like every third month. (laughs) So I don't know. Like, yeah, you never know, guys. But um, it's all on Twitter. And we definitely need to close this deal out with our tweet of the week. So I yeah, I was going to say, what what do you think, man? I mean, we've had we had a couple of good ones on here. Um, let's see here. Let's let's go back through this. So this was obviously one we've talked about a ton. I think priced in Bitcoin is is actually a really cool um, platform. I think the, I think if these are the same guys that I'm thinking of, they've got like a whole website where it's like all everything they can price it in Bitcoin, and um, it, it kind of shows you some different perspectives. So. I, I'm going to say that that's definitely a top contender. Um, I think this is a similar one, but I don't know if that's top contender. Now, paying paying at McDonald's, I think this was a big one this week um, that a lot of people were like, oh, you know, seeing that this is it's actually possible to use Bitcoin as a medium of exchange. So I think that's a pretty interesting one. Um, let's see. As a here. fan of the, as a fan of trying to keep this deal away from blue check marks, I really enjoyed the tweet where he just started the conversation about Apple. He just asked the question and then everybody started commenting there on underneath it because uh, it's which uh, one is that? got to keep going down. Keep going down. You're close. Yeah. Like right about here. Click that one right here. Oh, oh yep. Yep. And above that one, above this tweet. Yep. That. 
The fact like that, that most mobile Bitcoin wallets are downloaded through app stores is a weak point I expect most governments will exploit in the coming years. That's absolutely an incredible question to think about. You know, that that is interesting to think about. Um, you know, it's an area about- that definitely deserves more attention because we we yeah. nobody really knows how to operate on. Uh, exactly. So exactly. So um, I think it's just interesting. Okay, so there was that piece. Um, let's see, not that one, not that one. Dow Jones and the stock market index is is more volatile than Bitcoin. I thought it was funny. I think I think my my vote here, I think, definitely goes to um, my vote goes to the one that we talked about the most because I think it's the most relevant. Um, I, I'm I'm voting priced in Bitcoin global asset universe. So how do we decide this now? Since we've never disagreed on it, we. I don't know. Maybe maybe we shoot it over to Twitter. Maybe we let Twitter decide. I don't know. Um, what do you, well, how what do you think? No, I mean, at the end of the day, Nick, it, it is only what we think. It is our tweet of the week, so we it's, have it to is decide. our tweet of the week, and we can't be too indecisive. Um, I'm choosing price in Bitcoin Global Asset Universe. <laughs> that's fine. I like I like that one. I like I think I'm going to go d- deep dive into that topic though this week, and that's what I think we should talk about more is. The network of Bitcoin, users of Bitcoin, don't get me wrong. I don't think Apple is like an evil spirit, but I do think that it is a bit too big. And I think the point of Bitcoin is decentralizing some of these big um, these big corporations because you can't be a free market enthusiast or even a capitalist and go, yeah, Apple's natural. My assets natural and say, I say the same thing about a couple other companies and I think that it would serve them even better for some real competition. Now, I don't know how that's going to happen with how big they are now, but that conversation of, okay, well, if somebody can work with Apple and Apple says, yeah, I don't think you guys are going to, you know, if Bitcoin can't, if Strike can't integrate with Apple Cash, I don't think we're going to do it. So um, the fact that they have that potential ability i think is a little bit scary and i don't know if enough people talk about it i mean i don't know if enough people talk about how big they are so I'm for sure but yeah well, tweet of the week here is at priced in bitcoin at oh at priced in btc actually with this chart the global asset universe i think that one's really fun um griff do you have any parting thoughts here for the week um it was uh i know for myself it was a great week um, I'm looking forward to another great one here coming up. Um, do you have any parting thoughts for the people? Uh, pay attention to the world. That's all I'm going to say. Be aware That's, of what's going on because um, here's the easiest thing to be aware of. Whatever the cheapest gas station is in town, look at the price of it now. And you tell me if we're out of oil reserves and you know, kind of mitigating the inflation that was coming to the oil price. Um, as well as there's like a, a lot of other indicators that the tide is turning and, you know, there's some rough times ahead. It's just pay attention to how many people are out today on a Saturday. Pay attention to what's going on, because um, at least from the books that I've read, like it is good to pay attention to those things because it's a clear indicator of kind of how maybe you should start living your life, too. Unless you got it like that, unless you bought Bitcoin at 200, you know, like it's, <laughs> and sold uh, at 69. <laughs> yeah, and, and sold the sixty nine. I mean, then you can play in this cash game as long as you want. I mean, personally, <laughs> I gotta watch out. So uh, those well, are my something. Something to never forget is that one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, and we're gonna leave it off from there. Come find us on Twitter. 
you may be the next lucky sucker that gets to come here on the show and hang out with us. Come see us on Twitter at Nick and Griff show. Um, if you're not watching, watch on YouTube and on Spotify. If you're listening, we're happy that you're here. And uh, most importantly, we are going to be filming again next weekend. And we will see you next time. Peace.